Keep hearing your prayers if you would. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Father, in, in the grip of your love, as we've responded and received mercy and grace, we thank you for this day. We ask, Lord, that uh, as we gather together, as we close out another Lord's Day, that you would remind us of your sweetness, your kindness. Teach us something from your word. Well, Lord, we ask that you would abide and be with uh, the other activities and opportunities to teach tonight. Those that would teach, we lift them up to you. We pray for the ones, Father, that were brought to our attention this morning and then tonight as well. We ask that you'd intervene on each, each of their behalf. Restore them according to your will. There are families that are, have lost loved ones, so we pray for them that are in bereavement. And we ask, God, that you would guide us this evening as we begin to look at uh, a very beautiful passage of Scripture, but also one that uh, brings to mind quite a bit of questions, and it does because we're finite. And so, Lord, we ask that you'd illuminate our hearts and minds to the truth of the Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter 4. The last time we met, and it's been over a month, we, we kind of introduced this, uh, uh, and we will, uh, I'll kind of go through this, but there's a chart in the, in the following slide that we'll take a look at. But uh, look, if you would, <clears throat> at verse uh, 18. And let's read down through verse 23. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord uh, said to Moses in Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, uh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son, your firstborn. So this is... <clears throat> Um, basically the last conversation that the Lord has with Moses uh, as he on his way to uh, Egypt and it's striking because we see a passage of scripture that um, should cause it's in scripture to cause us to pause and to think you know, why would these things be so <clears throat> um, when we look at all of these and we're, we're going to take an opportunity to look at them in in order this evening. This phrase, uh, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, or in turn, Pharaoh hardens his heart, is seen time and again from chapter 7 through 11. So <clears throat> if we were to say it just one time, it's something that, hey, because we're human, we might tend to pass over it. But it is repeated time and again, and there's a purpose. Anytime there's a repetition in Scripture, especially in the Hebrew language, in the Old Testament, is given to us to, to cause us to, to ponder why it's there. In fact, we see it ten times. Pharaoh hardens his heart ten times, and the Lord hardens <clears throat> Pharaoh's heart ten times. 
So one of the things that you need to immediately take, uh, come to grips with is that this is not a passive God. God's never passive. God is very much active, has been uh, uh, for eternity. So a lot of folks say, well, this, this is in reaction to, and we'll see in some cases that is so, but in some cases God provokes. So there's a reason behind uh, this provocation. Uh, and when we look at this, one of the things we, uh, one of the other things that we need to take away is that <laughs> there's a great mystery here. And we can teach it and we can d- dissect it. Uh, but obviously there are things here that belong only to the Lord, and the Lord knows his purposes far better than we do. So next slide, if you would. So <clears throat> we look, we'll look at these um, passages of Scripture, but uh, it is God's purpose, and God's purpose is supreme, regardless of whether we agree with it or whether we understand it uh, or not. Uh, the other thing that we have to keep in mind that Pharaoh is a sinner. Pharaoh is not innocent. We, we, we live in an age where uh, sin is rarely spoken of. So most people's um, attitude about sin is, well, it's just a mistake or I just made an error. But And that may be so for you and I, but it's not so between God and I. And so Pharaoh is not innocent. Um, he is a reproach to the living God. And so what the Lord is doing here is he is establishing the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob back in the book of Genesis. And he's also going to establish the Mosaic covenant, which guides the Hebrew people. Not only does it guide the Hebrew people, but to a greater extent, it guides the United States of America. Our Constitution and the framers spent a great deal of time. They were men that understood this Mosaic Covenant. They were men that understood the Abrahamic Covenant. Now, there were not many Jewish people involved 250 years ago, but that doesn't matter. They still understood God's intent with, uh, with human government, and this is the establishment of human government that's quite a bit different from Pharaoh's government. So, there are uh, there are nine okay references here uh, of God's hardening. We're going to look at these. There are references to Pharaoh's heart's heart being hardened. No, not specifically calling out the Lord, but we know that He's active here. And there are three specifically that have to do with Pharaoh's hardening his heart. So one of the takeaways from this chart, we talked about charts this morning, but one of the takeaways from the chart is God must be very active here. Something's going on. Uh, and we, we will we'll learn as we go through this that he certainly has uh, his good purposes for his people aligned. So let's look at some of these. We see there in verse 21, we've already seen that... Uh, <clears throat> where the Lord declares he's going to um, uh, harden Pharaoh's heart. So let's go to chapter 7. And 
in verse 3. Well, look at verse 1. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as a god before Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgment. So that's the second reference from Yahweh to the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Drop down to verse 13. We have the, the first miracle that's performed. We'll cover that in detail when we come to chapter 7. <clears throat> but look at verse 13. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. So there is, Pharaoh has a sinner's heart, and he doesn't know the covenant God of Israel. Certainly doesn't know him. He says that in chapter 5. I don't know your God. Why should I let your people go? So he doesn't start on a good foot with, with the Lord. Let's put it that way. Um, look at verse 14. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. Okay, so this is God defining the nature of Pharaoh's heart. He refuses to let the people go. And so he sends Moses back to Pharaoh. Uh, drop down to verse 22. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with the, their enchantments. Pharaoh's heart grew hard. There again, it's being hardened. It's growing harder. It's not coming, uh, I don't, uh, throughout this, and we'll see this at the end, I don't think Pharaoh ever falls under uh, conviction. He falls under remorse, but he's not committed. He's sorry that he was caught in a situation, and only when his son is taken does that take place. So, uh, <clears throat> Pharaoh's heart grew hard. He did not heed them as the Lord had said. So the Lord, again, this is not passive, and the Lord is not saying, I'm not sure what's going to happen to Pharaoh's heart. This is part of the uh, predictability of the Lord's work. Uh, Pharaoh turned, went into his house, and neither was his heart moved by this. So again, what we see here, obviously, is the sovereignty of God, but what we also see is the responsibility of man to respond to the graciousness of God, and he doesn't. So this is a picture of, um, a very vivid picture of a lost sinner. So turn to chapter 8. <clears throat> And let's look at verse 15. Uh, look at verse 13. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He had charged Moses, you'll be my prophet. You'll become like a god to Pharaoh. And so this is the, the plague of the frogs. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, out in the courtyards, and out in the fields. They gathered them in heaps, and the land stank. And obviously the the 
I think you've probably heard, or, and we'll cover it more in detail when we look at each of these. But these particular plagues were, uh, were designed against one of the pagan gods of Egypt. This morning we talked about the pagans making, wanted to make uh, making animal type objects or even vegetable type objects uh, of worship. And this was rampant in Egypt. And one of the things that the Lord is doing here is he's teaching his people. This is not just about Pharaoh. He's teaching Moses and Aaron and the Hebrew people that he is their God and that he's certainly a greater God than a frog God. So verse 15, when Pharaoh saw uh, that there was relief, he hardened his heart. Oh, sort of like I got pressure. Is that pressure a heart attack or the pressure is gone? Well, I don't have to be concerned with calling a doctor. So we see this here uh, in the life of Pharaoh. He hardened his heart. He did not heed them. Again, as the Lord had said, what the Lord has spoken way back in chapter 4 carries through during this time. Let's see, drop down to verse 30. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. He prayed, basically. The Lord did according to the word of Moses. There we see that phrase again. He removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. It's interesting that you have the plague of frogs before flies. One of the best meals that a frog can have is a fly. So the Lord did one. He sent the plague of frogs and then killed all the frogs. And then he sent the more miserable one, that of flies, and all the frogs are gone. So you think the Lord has a sense of humor? Perhaps he does. He removes the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. So the Lord had told Moses, he said, all these signs and wonders are going to be performed. It's not going to change Pharaoh one iota because my purpose will stand. So let's look at chapter 9. And uh, look at verse 11. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians, and that would include Pharaoh. So the land now, it moves from uh, environmental uh, disaster to personal disaster. Verse 12, But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So again, not to be repetitious, but it is repetitious. What the Lord said in chapter 4, he's carrying out in these chapters. Let's look at um, verse 7. Let's back up. I was in verse 12. Let's look at chapter 9 and verse 7. The uh, uh, 
the Mirain, the, the attack of the innocent on the animals, verse 6, So the Lord did the same the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. And Pharaoh sent it indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. So this continues. We want to look at verses 34 and 35. Verse 33, So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, spread out the hands to the Lord, to the th then the thunder and the hail ceased. The rain was not poured on the earth, and when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more. Uh, this is, again, this is the nature of sinners that won't, uh, won't receive the grace of God. And he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So this not only impacted Pharaoh, but in, impacted all of those that uh, were ministering to him. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken by Moses. So again, that's reiterated to us. Now let's go to chapter 10, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants. So this is, I think this is the first time that we see Pharaoh hardens his heart, and then the Lord says, Okay, the action here that you see is a result of my hardening his heart. I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things that I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So let's see. Let We want to go to verse 20. <clears throat> let's look at verse 16. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord, your God against and against you. Now therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat me or pray for me that the Lord, your God, that he may take away from me this death only. So we went out from Pharaoh, Moses, and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away, blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. So acknowledgement of sin is not necessarily an acknowledgement of repentance. And we don't see that here in the life of Pharaoh. So chapter 11 and verse 10. Verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Now this is chapter 12. We begin the understanding of the study of the Passover. So we know what takes place during the Passover and how that the institution of the blood again a substitute we've been preaching and talking about this uh, and the Paschal lamb the Passover lamb that was uh, slaughtered it was then the, the remains were eaten and its blood was of course placed on the lentils of the door 
that did not happen to the, uh, to the Egyptians. So the Lord made it known only to the, to the Israelites. All right, let's go over now to chapter 14. So all of this stuff has taken place now. In chapters 12 and 13, and in chapter 14, we have the crossing of the Red Sea. Uh, <clears throat> Verse 5, Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people. They turned against the people because they were people of God. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? Hey, we've lost a, we lost a slew of slaves. And we're not going to get the pyramids built on time. And so he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he also took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. The children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them. All the horse and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, overtook them camping by the sea beside Peoroth uh, before Baal-Zephon. So this takes place, and then we see where the Lord hardens his heart. And then finally in verse 17. The Lord explains to Moses what's going to happen in the parting of the Red Sea. The latter part of verse 15, tell the children of Israel to go forward. The waters are going to part, go forward. But lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry land through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of, Pharaoh, of the Egyptians, and they will follow you. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his armies, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So one of the, the, this is very specific. Okay, so the Spirit of God and Moses is recording this, of course, and as he's writing this <clears throat> just prior to his death, he's recording that uh, Pharaoh has a, a huge... Uh, army, a very skilled army, the most skilled army uh, as far as we know on earth at that particular point in time, and he is pursuing an unarmed people, uh, although they no doubt are many, many more than the Egyptians, they are still unarmed. So the Lord tells Moses, your life and the life of my people are in my hands. I am doing this with Pharaoh so that he will pursue you in his blind wrath toward me. So make no mistake, yes, Pharaoh took off, off after the Israelites, but it's not the Israelites that he's angry, not so much the Israelites that he's angry at. It is Yahweh. He's lost his son. The economic structure of Egypt had been devastated. Uh, <clears throat> Most ancient cultures would not record anything like this if it happened uh, outside of what we see here in Scripture. But there are references to some ancient uh, Egyptian writings, history of great famines, obviously, that took place during the time of Joseph. 
and uh, incidents of environmental destruction during this time as well. They don't go into great detail because you want to promote your Pharaoh. You want to promote your king. You want to promote your president. Tell everybody how wonderful, what a wonderful job he's doing or they're doing or whatever. That's part of PR. And so <clears throat> it may not have been recorded in detail in the annals of the remainder of the annals of history, but that doesn't really matter because this is what we have here. So I think we've read all of these this evening, and they are numerous. The key thing is that what the Lord tells Moses back in chapter 4, he carries all the way through chapter 14, and the, the, the major uh, or the primary thing to take away is that Pharaoh became so enraged. Now here's a man that Moses was a prince of Egypt, he had been educated in all of the, uh, all of the processes and the, uh, the history and the, the math and the sciences that were available at that particular point in time. So this is not an uneducated man. This is not an unintelligent man. But it is a sinning man. And what happens to sin, we talked about this, that this morning, drifting away. And Pharaoh at, once, at one point said, I've sinned. In fact, we'll see that later on when his son dies. So you, you folks need to get away. But his heart changes. He's bent on rebellion. He's bent on revenge. And it becomes his undoing. So we're going to stop there this evening. We'll pick this up <clears throat> next Sunday night and begin to look at some of the... Uh, other scriptures that speak to this. Any comments or questions tonight? <coughs> Father, we're grateful for your word. We are reminded in the truth of your word of the love that you have for your people and the undying resolve to bring them, to, to liberate them from a life of slavery. But more than that, to make a covenant with them to where you become their God. Hear now, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So remind us of that this evening as we leave in Jesus' name.